Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 115, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU College Hockey. We've got an exciting episode. Not often that I say that right from the jump, but I'm pumped about this, and we got a lot of notes prepared. Got some good interviews coming up. I say interviews plural. Got a couple of them tonight, so really looking forward to that. Happy Friday, folks. We got another weekend of college hockey. David Herman in the booth, just the two of us tonight. How's it going? It's going great. Opening night for the AHL is in the books. Now I've got to wait another week and a half for more hockey here in Utica. Comets made it a really, really good game against Syracuse. It was tough 3-1. Fans started filing for the doors, and I'm looking around like, ah, know like maybe you should probably stick around see what happens Joe Gamardella puts one in 3-2 Cal Foot ties it up in regulation 3-3 goes to overtime a tough fall for the Comets to open the season you know what they've got a really deep roster and I'm excited to to work with these guys this season well Friday night while you were running around getting ready for opening night I was running around Boston Massachusetts delivering as many packages as I could to the post office doing a little help for our guys over at Selly Hockey they had an opening on Friday they needed somebody to help with some packages you know big supporter of the show so I went over there to help them out shipped out about 125 hats on Friday afternoon so if you ordered a hat last week I probably sent it to you really cool to get that experience I you and I spend so much time just looking at our phones just eating our brains alive with the with the amount of screen time we get every day so it was really nice to do something on my feet and be away from the phone for a, a while and just doing some manual labor and I actually I put my athleticism on display like I said running around had to drop all the boxes off of the post office by six o'clock it was like 540 by the time I packed everything up ran down to my car got stuck in traffic it was a zoo but I got there I got the hats at the post office by 558 so it made for a good time and it, it was nice to go down and enjoy the weekend in boston you mentioning the screen time makes me want to do a call back to our good buddy glick where he set the line on the d3 schools i want you to set the line for me on your weekly screen time and i i want to see if i can hit the over or the under on it on my screen time oh let's see i actually we're going daily average yeah let's go daily average yeah th- this week's daily average. i'm actually we'll set the line at six and a half the way that you looked at the camera, I'm hammering the over this week. I was going to go five and a half, but I was like, Herm knows I'm on my phone more than five and a half. That's that's giving her away. So I went six and a half. The average this week, it's telling me my average is seven hours and two minutes. Happy to be bringing the Hockey House pod to you. We'll stare at our screens a little longer to give you guys the best show in all of non-NCAA college hockey. Let's kick things off with the lead here. Celebrity sighting this week. We we got our first of the season, a big notable one. Toby Keith is getting in on the ACHA action. The country music star and Oklahoma superfan made an appearance at Arctic Edge Arena on Saturday night to catch the Sooners in action against Colorado. The Sooners had a huge bounce back win. They got the split against Colorado with a 4-0 win. We had a goalie battle, former OU goalie, Matt Server in net for Colorado, a journeyman, an ACHA journeyman. It feels like yesterday he was playing in net for the Bobcats in St. Louis. Then he went out to Oregon, back to Colorado. The Sooner goalie played phenomenal too. The vibes were great. It just seemed like a really good weekend series. We actually got a surprise jersey reveal in this day and age. It feels like we never get those. There's all the social media hype. Old school. Friday night, Oklahoma comes onto the ice wearing their traditional white Nike jerseys, you know, looking the part. They go back to the locker room. 
and they've got gray knit socks and gray third jerseys hanging. They do a little mighty duck switcheroo and they come out wearing different jerseys. The magic wore off though, because Colorado got the win on Friday night. They returned on Saturday after their first loss of the season. Toby Keith in attendance and they got the job done with the win. Keith and Oklahoma athletic director Joe Castiglione both joined Ben Dacu for interviews between the second and third period. I was actually watching the stream live. I had no idea this was coming, just tuning into the game. All of a sudden, Toby Keith is on my screen. What a wonderful sight. His best friend's daughter is engaged to a player on the team. That is why he was at the game. It's pretty rare for him to make public appearances these days. If you follow country music, Toby Keith has actually been battling stomach cancer since 2021, so he doesn't get around that much anymore, but it was cool to see him take the time to do some interviews, talk some OU hockey, He also made an appearance at Jason Aldean's concert in Oklahoma City on Friday. So he was making the rounds. But Herm, I mean, when you when you get it, I mean, we expect to see country superstars at National Predators games, not Oklahoma hockey games. Is the bigger white whale Steve Carell or Toby Keith now? That's the real question. Yeah, I mean, if you saw that that analysis and that in-between interview, it might take him a couple uh, more games to go to to learn some names. But yeah, I, Toby Keith is up there, big fan of the ACHA. So wanted to give him a shout out. Just really cool to see celebrities taking the time to, you know, make their day, right? There's the guys on the OU hockey doing the TV and the live stream. Like it, it was awesome to see them excited for. It was awesome to see the players and some really cool photos from that as well. But let's get to more of the action. We had, I mean, I'll wear this one on Saturday night. Alabama Huntsville's on the rise. Got to give these boys a shout out. We got to start there. The Chargers defeated Alabama AAUD1 in overtime in front of a packed crowd on Friday night. Huntsville is D2, College Hockey South. Bama's D1, College Hockey South. So we got a little bit of an exhibition game here. The Chargers, they did lose in overtime on Saturday. That was the clip that we got sent to us. We posted the clip just to find out that there had been an upset the night before that we missed out on, unfortunately. But went back, saw the clips. They had a packed house on Friday night. We'll hear more in our interview when we get to it, but Huntsville has it. I think they have a guy who dropped down from the NCAA team when in the team, kind of like a Robert Morris, Roman Kramer situation. The team left, he stuck around and he's been tearing it up for him. So wanted to give the boys from Huntsville a shout out. They seem like they're on the rise. They've grown a ton recently. They lost 17 to one to the same Bama team last season. They've quite frankly, turned it around. Would love to see them become a powerhouse in AAU. Was talking with their goaltender, Cameron Crawford, who played this weekend. He actually played four years of varsity lacrosse at Alabama Huntsville. Was doing a fifth year and was like, you know what? I want to strap on the pads again. Get me back in the crease. So love getting the opportunity to learn more about the teams in AAU and ACHA because we do cover a lot of teams and it's nice to get a little more personal with some teams and, and learn their stories too. But Herm, I know we were talking that that Alabama comment section, that video was a gong show. Yeah, that, that got pretty ruthless. Like the accusations of glazing and all of that tough scene, honestly, considering the, the 450 teams we're covering, you know what? Can't win them all. Just another Saturday night in the hockey house HQ, but in other games this week, Saginaw Valley state, they got a split with Purdue Northwest, a split split. They played Purdue Northwest D one on Friday night, lost a close three, one game. They battled back on Saturday in front of the home crowd. And they beat Purdue Northwest D two by a score of six to four. Death Valley was rocking again this weekend. Love seeing that crowd. Vermont beat UMass and ACHA M two action. This is a Vermont team that upset Keene state last year in regionals. Sneaky good team that probably doesn't get a lot of attention and a UMass team that I'm not quite sure has gotten off to the start that they wanted this year. They had a close game with Providence on opening night. This Vermont team is one where we want to keep an eye on. Wild weekend at Duquesne. I don't know if you saw this clip, Herm. We got tagged in it, but Duquesne B2 
beats Mercyhurst in overtime in M1 action. And then in M3 action, we had a buzzer beater. You see the live barn clip. Everybody's huddled around the net. They're trying to figure out if it went in before the buzzer. The ref signals goal. Everybody goes back to the bench. It's chaos. And and they won the game 5-4 against Akron. So huge break in there. And then even better, I guess the sound system didn't work on Friday night. One of the scratches for Duquesne's M1 team actually ended up singing the anthem. It was awesome. He probably got the boys so fired up. He deserves an assist player of the game for the the overtime victory. Collins is, is out tonight. He's traveling back from Scotland from fall break. Wish he was on the pod for this one because we we had our first parka sighting of the season. Herm, you spend a lot of time around the Syracuse guys and get to talk with Collins. And you know how big of a deal it is for those guys to wear the parka around campus. It's always a running joke on like who's going to be the first guy to break out the parka because it's such, such style points to wear that thing to class. But like you can't be caught wearing it when it's like above 55. Like it's a warm coat. It's got to be cold for you to be wearing that. And then sure enough, Drexel's Instagram story. They're getting off the bus at NYU. They had a 7-6 win on Friday night, but the story of the night was on Saturday. I see a video of one of the Drexel players coming off the bus in his parka, and I'm like, there's no way it's parka season. It's mid-October. There's probably some cold nights, but the high in New York was 64 on Saturday. We, We can't be wearing a Nike parka into Chelsea Piers on a Saturday night, Herm. It's a tough scene. Those frigid New York City nights are just around the corner, but they're not here quite yet. NYU took offense to that. They responded with a 3-0 shutout win on Saturday, but parka season is 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 coming up. So I wanted to give the Drexel boys a hard time for that one. Interesting one. We, we talk a little bit. We already talking Pittsburgh hockey with Duquesne. Davenport hockey might be back. They went to Pittsburgh this weekend and they swept Pitt. They had a 5-4 overtime win on Friday, a 4-3 win on Saturday against the number 14 Pitt Panthers. Davenport is a team that was one of those one of those teams in the boys club, right? They were in the top 25 every year. All of a sudden, you know, they're out of it. They're getting blown out by teams they shouldn't be. Phil Sweeney hops back behind the bench after taking a couple of years to help recruit and do some things behind the scenes. It looks like Davenport is back. They are 6-1 and one on the season. They had a loss to Aquinas. They bounced back and beat Aquinas. They spanked Toledo. They went on the road and they beat Pitt. And now they have a home-and-home home coming up against Purdue Northwest, number 18 team in the country. Herm, did you get any chance? Did Davenport and Ohio play at all when you were at school? It was a decent little rivalry. Uh, I'd have to go in and take a look back at the history. I think Davenport might have squeaked one out at one point against Ohio. But yeah, like one of those one of those teams that you kind of just, when you think ACHA, Davenport's in the mix, you know, and one of those good teams that comes out of Michigan. I think that'd be good to have them in the mix. And uh, certainly they're having a bounce back year and they're off to a good start. A team that did not get off to, to a good start is our, our girls at Minot State. They had a tough start to the year. Going into game of the week, they had not won a game yet they had lost some games to midland and lost a couple exhibition games liberty comes in liberty gets the win on the game of the week i think i pick i picked the beavers so i i lost again this week they bounce back and they get their first one of the season in overtime on saturday against the flames team that is not those, those wins don't come easy so a win and get the split i think they can hang their hats on that hopefully they build some momentum up on that but speaking of Flames and the Liberty Flames, we've had some flaming hot starts that I think are worth noting. Northern Michigan, ACHA M2 is now 8-0 on the season. Montana State is 8-0 
after jumping out. They swept in-state rival Montana this week. We'll talk a little bit about that later on because we got some cool things coming out of Montana State. Minot State M1, they are 9-0. They beat Missouri State 5-3 on Saturday, and then they wiped the floor with Waldorf to close out the weekend. FAU is 6-0. They swept Embry-Riddle. Some greasy games in Daytona. Just, you know, those games where it's chippy, there's scrums after the whistle, the glass is popping out every other shift, and FAU comes in and takes a couple. They are undefeated. They will face off against Tampa D1 next week, and the Owls have already played Tampa. They played Tampa's D2 team earlier in the year. They won 5-3 and 7-2, so it'll be interesting to see how they face off against Tampa's D1 team. And then another team worth mentioning that's also 6-0 is Mizzou. And the Tigers haven't played in two weeks, and they're not going to play again for another week. But worth mentioning, they're off to a 6-0 start. Their goal differential in those six games is plus 38. Nick Spolick leads the way. Five goals and 23 assists. He's averaging 3.83 points per game. Freshman Andrew Knapp, he has 12 goals and 10 assists. Imagine being a freshman and only playing in six games, and you have 22 points. That is that is amazing. He's welcome to the ACHA. This guy is playing ACHA on rookie mode right now. Both goalies are three and zero. Tanner Richardson has only allowed one goal. He's got two shutouts on the season. Dobbs also, you know, love that guy. He came on the show a couple weeks ago, so they're off to a good start. They will have a test though when they go to Purdue in two weeks. So wanted to give those boys a shout out. Speaking of Embry Riddle, touched on them for a bit. Want to give a shout out to their D3 team. They got their first double season of 5 1 win over USF. They had a tough start to the season. And then some other AAU news, Mass Maritime swept Bishop's University. The boys from Bishop came down, they crossed the border, brought their passports, and uh, Mass Maritime sent them packing. So some more AAU action. What do we got here? A couple more highlights to mention. ASU just showed San Diego State who's boss. They beat San Diego State 11 0 on Friday and then the Aztecs actually battled back for a 3-2 overtime loss. A win is a win, right? Like you lose 11-0 on Friday and then bounce back with a 3-2 overtime loss. I think they'll take that one. Herm, two heavyweights on the East Coast going toe-to-toe, Stony Brook and Niagara. This one actually came as a surprise to me because it was you saw Stony Brook lose to Oswego on opening night and you think that's like, hey, you know, Oswego's played some games underneath their belt. Is this the Stony Brook team from last semester or is this the Stony Brook team we expect? They showed signs of the Stony Brook team that we expect year in year out they got the split against Niagara curious your thoughts on this season because we had this as a game of the week and I was like I don't know is this a game of the week like I feel like Niagara might just take this one but ultimately it was a split yeah I think this Stony Brook team is top 10 bound I would not be surprised Chris Garofalo has something really really good going on Long Island they had some bumps in the road last year I would not be surprised to see this team be a legitimate contender at nationals it's not to to put down anything that the Purple Eagles are doing because they're having a hell of a season Tom Radian is a hell of a coach and great friend of the program just two quality Eschel teams really slugging it out that's what we love to see yeah I, I think the Eschel is going to be very competitive this year and I think last year was kind of a down year for the Eshel you saw that with Pitt and Niagara the two new teams on the block going toe-to-toe in the finals Syracuse is off to a great start this year too think they'll be in the mix I saw URI split with Navy they're still trying to get a rink so like everything's up in the air at this point but I would love to see the Eshel give the Western League you know a run for their money this year in terms of teams in the rankings so yeah certainly expect Stony Brook to move up I don't know if Niagara will drop that much I, I hope not you never know with the rankings we'll get to that in a little bit here but we had a game get canceled this week Iowa State I actually Herm I, I didn't see this one but wh- wh- why did it get canceled yeah so friend of the program Brian Kurpuski sent us a message real late as we're recording right now the game was canceled due to the Zamboni 
driver. I'm getting Birdarena flashbacks already. We are working to try and see if there's any video of it. I had seen a message just on Iowa State's Instagram that they put out a graphic saying like the game was canceled for something, but no one really was giving any information in the comment section or anything like that. I was like, okay, maybe there was just like a electrical failure or something like that. Not uncommon for the ACHA. Did not know it was a human operated issue. I mean, that's like a major thing too. Like Zamboni driving is not easy. One bad dig of the ice and like the rink could be out of commission for days. So I I got to watch the one game that they did play on Saturday night. Got to watch. I loved the goal horn they had in Iowa State. That's like out of Quebec junior hockey with the horn in the stands. The handheld horn had it right on cue. It was enough to pull the Illinois goal in. I don't know. Like, I know Illinois has been on some tough times and the CSCHL isn't what it used to be. And you're playing a a conference rival who didn't have a team last year and you lose six to one. Like, how bad are things at Illinois? But hopefully they're heading in the right direction. And I think you actually called this, Herm, because Illinois is going to join the MCH. I think you talk, if we can just get more teams who were used to be in the CSCHL in this Midwest League, we might bring back what we used to have. We'll see. We'll see what happens. The sequel might be better. Love seeing these college hockey teams get together. Love the broadcast, too. It, It was a great job. We're happy to have Iowa State back. We are also very happy for our first guest of the show, this week. Jordan DeLuciano from the AAU Overtime Podcast is going to join us. Lots of exciting things going on in AAU. We talked about him last week, but we're bringing on Jordan, who can kind of just walk us through and, and help us understand things a little bit better. So we'll turn it over to him now. All right, we're pleased to be joined by Jordan DeLuciano from the AAU Overtime Podcast. We've been meaning to have you on, but we've known you for a long time now. It's great to have you on. You know, we've been trying to work things out, like I feel like for like two months to try to, uh, we got you on my podcast on AAU Overtime, but like I was sick last week. We were trying to get me on last week, but I told you guys off camera, I'll tell you again, like, excuse if I'm coughing and muting the mic a little bit. I'm just trying to get back into the swing of things. I'm just finally starting to feel better, but happy to be here. I've always listened and heard about the hockey house back to my playing days when I was in college hockey. So now I'm on the podcast. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, so walk us through your, your playing days. Where did you play when you were in college? So I played uh, for Farmingdale State College. At the time, they were ACHA. Uh, I played there three years. College hockey, for me, did not go exactly how I wanted it to go. Uh, Injuries derailed me. I had uh, concussions that I had throughout travel hockey and high school hockey. They carried into college hockey. I got a concussion again, messed up my shoulder, and the injuries kind of slowed me down over years, and it kind of took out my like passion and will to play because I was just so banged up every year. But I had a good time, made a lot of good friends to this day from that Farmingdale team, and I stayed close after I graduated, and it kind of led me now where I am in broadcasting. Yeah, I was going to say, you're just like me. You saw the hockey career ending, and you picked up a microphone. Yeah, exactly. I majored in sport management in uh, college. Throughout my life, I've always been interested in broadcasting. Whenever I would watch like hockey highlights or something, I would want to not like hear a highlight package with like music in the background. I would want to hear the highlight package with the broadcaster calling the plays. It's always something that interests me. And I always kept it in the back of my mind when I was at Farmingdale, but I always, I kept pursuing sport management until I was my senior year. I was going to like job fairs, like the summer going into my senior year, I was going to all these job fairs for sports management. And I'm like, it's just not for me. Like it could be for anyone else. It just wasn't for me. I didn't see a future in it. So I'm like, you know what? This senior year, you know, I'm, I, w- I didn't play hockey my senior year. Cause like I said, I was so banged up concussions to my shoulder. So I'm like, you know what? Senior year, I'm not going to play. Let me change it up. I'm getting the broadcasting. And I started getting, uh, I got into the Farmingdale 
Radio Radio Club over there and then went to broadcasting school right after that. And then I graduated in 2019. The pandemic kind of ruined everything. And then 2021, I started uh, calling hockey games. You grew up, too, in the, the ACHA age. There was only one league at the time. Now we have two leagues. A lot of our listeners, I don't think, still really understand the full scope of things. AAU comes onto the scene. Big push for media, wanting to make sure the players get treated properly. You've been at Nationals a couple times now. When did you come on to the AAU scene? Were you approached by them? Did you approach them? Was it the Farmingdale connection? Yeah, so it was the Farmingdale connection, and I got brought into this league when it was under the banner of the CHF. I think December of 2021. So I'm in my first like fall of calling games. I started calling games in September 2021 doing play-by-play for uh, Stony Brook, which is ACHA D1. A couple months later, uh, the PAL Junior Islanders NCDC team asked me like, hey, can you do fill-in games? So I'm like, yeah, sure. They play at the same rink as Farmingdale does now. Farmingdale changed rinks. They played at Freeport on the island. Now they play at Northwell Health, great facility over there. So now I'm at NCDC Junior Islander game, getting ready to call it. And who has a game later the night? Farmingdale. So I run into my old GM, John LaRochester, who's the director of hockey ops for AAU. I run into Joe Maisie, head coach of Farmingdale State College, who is a big voice in AAU college hockey. LaRochester comes up to me first. He's like, I see you're calling games now because I was in the lobby taking notes and whatnot. We're trying to amp up Farmingdale specifically, and then that will trickle on to AAU, the media and the broadcast operation. We want every team getting play-by-play, not really televised games, but streamed games, should I say, YouTube, anywhere else. Black Dog's a big part of AAU. So Rochester says, we want a guy calling our games. You want to call our games? And I'm like, 100%, let's do it. So that's how I got linked up back to call their games. After that conversation, Joe Maisie comes up to me. I mean, I've listened because I used to do a podcast with my friends about New York sports. And he used to listen to my knowledge at the time. It's like, I, I listen sometimes to your old podcast. You used to do with your friends. And I, he's like, I know you, you did some radio shows at, on campus when you're in school. Would you want to do a podcast for the whole league? And at the time, it was just CHF. So it was the CHF Overtime Podcast that got developed that December day in 2021. January 2022, still under CHF. That's when I did my first CHF Overtime podcast but now under the new AAU banner you know it's the CHF executives Scott Solomon came under as the executive director I think around this time exactly last year and he kind of revamped the whole league kind of got into the thick of things now we're under the AAU banner nationwide recognition you know uh, over 700,000 athletes are registered under the AAU banner so now I get to do a podcast under the AAU overtime podcast which is pretty cool and you brought that podcast to the Fed Cup Right. And in in it's yep. first last year was the first AAU Nationals. Same setup that you have going there. What's your favorite part about like being on the ground at Nationals? I know you're calling games, but you're also doing the overtime podcast. It's a really unique setup where you're like right in the middle of the lobby. You got parents, fans, sometimes league executives crashing interviews. Yeah, like Scott. <laughs> I mean, what's that like? Like, do you enjoy hanging out in the lobby? Do you like calling the games more? Like, what, what's your favorite part about Nationals? I like doing it both. Play-by-play commentary and doing the podcast is very enjoyable for me, you know. But first year for technically Nationals, first year I was there was the CHF Federation Cup 2022, the winter of 2022, so March. And then the next year, which was winter of 2023, which we just went through, was the first year under AAU National Championships. It's really cool, like, walking around and, like, doing the podcast in front of everyone, like, live or, like, interviewing a kid or a coach, player in front of everyone and just getting immediately right as we finish feedback and talking to the parents, the family members, the friends right after the interview or the podcast ends 
or just walking around the whole area. Like, let's say I'm setting up for the podcast, like I'm setting up equipment, you know, getting all the technical stuff down, family, friends, players, former coaches or whatnot coming up and saying, talking to me about the pod, the league, you know, oh, I watched my son or my friend on an interview back in November. It was awesome. And I'm like, that's great. I'm like, I don't remember because I've done so many interviews, but like, it's awesome to have all that great feedback. Play by play booth, you're just up there by yourself. When I'm on the ground at Nationals, which will be again at Westchester, Pennsylvania this year, it's great doing the podcast in front of everyone and doing interviews in front of everyone and just getting to talk to the community that's been following the podcast since day one. And they talk to me about interviews I did months and months ago, and they're remembering it verbatim. I'm like, that's awesome. Some people know, like, call me by name as if I've known them for so long. Yet I'm like, I don't even know you, but nice to meet you. Awesome. It's only going to get bigger and better this year. And that's kind of why we wanted to have you on because on your podcast last week, you had Scott Solomon on and talked about all the new additions same venue as previous years but now we have aau division one we have the women's division as well a lot of really exciting things happening i think the thing that i'm most excited about is the opportunity for the division one teams to play the national championship game in front of the d2 teams and the d3 teams that overlap from tournaments what are some things from the, the new format that you're excited about it's a lot going on if we thought we were busy the last two years this year is going to be like on steroids it's a lot going on so there's 48 teams over the course of a week and we got four national champions show last year at the first ever aau national championships it was d2 and d3 this year we got one we got two we got three and we got the women's national championship it's gonna be awesome the men's d1 start first and then everyone like day by day follows and shows up to the tournament so like you said that's gonna be awesome sunday night men's division one and the women's national championship will be crowned in front of everyone the women's crowd the d1 crowd the d2 crowd the d3 crowd because in past years we would start at the end of the week and then finish in the middle of the week so the national championship would be on a Wednesday and there'd be some stragglers left over to be a crowd but nothing like it's going to be this year that Sunday night when you get D1 and the women's there for D2 and D3 their finals you know their national championship again you're going to have two divisions worth of crowd there to watch those two champions crown the atmosphere is going to be just great to be a part of when we get there in March. And one really cool thing, we've talked about it a long time on this podcast because there's so many hours that go into the season to make sure that teams can get to nationals and, and have a very good experience. And unfortunately, last year we had you know a team in South Carolina that because of some unforeseen circumstances, they didn't lose a game and they got sent home after pool play. New rule this year, Scott says, we're playing until we get a winner. There's going to be no more ties. As a broadcaster, how excited are you that you don't have to like be looking at the game notes trying to figure out what the tiebreakers are? You just know that the team's got to score at the end of the game to win i know yeah we don't have to deal with that like whenever i'm doing like a podcast in the beginning of the day talking about scenarios my life becomes a lot easier now you know because it's no ties no shootout pool play all the way to the finals is continuous overtime so as a broadcaster gets me excited you know because every time i'm calling a game and i look at the scoreboard and it's dying late in the game and we're tied i'm like oh we're getting overtime we're getting overtime awesome and now i don't have to worry about a potential tie ruining a great game or going to a shootout kind of derails could derail a great game so now we'll have definitive pool winners. You know, no one's undefeated going home anymore. And again, like you said, it makes our lives easier. We don't have to worry about too much uh, tie-breaking scenarios now because there will be a definitive winner after each uh, game. No ties, no shootout, continuous overtime. And then another a new addition is 
at the D2 level, there's going to be five pools. You'll get a winner in each pool and then three wild card teams. So you could potentially see some of those teams that lose in overtime and they still get to stick around because they've played some good hockey. It takes a little bit of stress off those D2 teams because sometimes, let's say a team loses game one, they win game two. They don't have to go into that third game thinking, all right, we got to win and then now they get to play scoreboard hockey. We got to win and we got to hope this team loses by this amount of goals. That team loses about that. Since the wild card being thrown in, it'll be I believe it was three wild card spots. So you have the pool play winners and then three wild card spots. A team that's one and one can go into their third game and be like, you know what? Uh, let's look at the standings. We can win five nothing, five four, ten nine. Doesn't matter. We win, we get that wild card spot. We're alive now. So now teams don't have to go in that final day thinking, all right, we need a lot to go our way now. Teams in D two can go into that final game of pool play thinking doesn't matter what the score is doesn't matter what the team on our left does if we win we're moving on to the quarterfinals and it's a great feeling we're certainly excited for this year's iteration of the aau national championships once again in iceland but the party won't stop there where you're going to have the aau all-star challenge which is going to take place down in florida the conferences going head to head we talked about it on the podcast last week you know you and i get a, a lot of slack for our picks sometimes and we're going to yeah. finally see these conferences go head to head there's a lot of talk about college hockey south we got the empire who's the best conference in aau we're going to find out this spring when the teams pick their all-star teams and head down to florida to compete against each other friday april 12th is the first game in uh, fort lauderdale florida it will be um in fau's rink i believe and all six conferences within aau college hockey are going to be represented with their best players so scott said on the uh, on podcast two weeks ago in the overtime pod i'll take what he said verbatim you're gonna have four first lines and a bunch of power play lines all over the teams you know then we'll really get brand supremacy there you know it's one thing for like an elite team in the upstate new york league to beat like a d3 team you know in the south okay now we're having the best players the studs from each conference new england independent conference the atlantic college hockey south empire upstate new york all of them best players all in one spot for a weekend and for barrels gonna chime in with their custom jerseys if we've seen the jerseys are a big uh, hit on social media so for barrel will be uh, kicking it up with the um, six custom jerseys for the six conferences. It's going to be a good one. Again, brand supremacy on the line. Who's got the best players and they're all going to come to head at uh, Fort Lauderdale. Like I said, Friday, April 12th. So you got nationals in March. Next month, more hockey. They're going to have the best players and they're going to have the best jerseys. And that's what we're looking forward to. Great combination. Can't go wrong. I'm going to try to count myself one of those, one of them. I'll try to see if I can get an Empire one because I played in the Empire at Farmingdale. We'll see what they look like. They might have to get you, if you're going to be broadcasting the games, they might have to get you the split jersey with all six conferences sewed together. Right? They, yeah, I know. Every spot on the front of the jersey should be, or I could, I could have just like one big AAU logo and down the sleeves, the logos of the conferences on them. Yeah, maybe I could just be like the, the middleman. AAU and the logo and then like the teams. You got six. So you go three on the right sleeve, three on the left sleeve. And I'm representing everyone. I'm nice like that. I'll represent everyone. So no one yells at me. We'll get a taste of that uh, interconference play this weekend. One of our games to watch this week is Farmingdale, Georgia. Georgia's making the trip back up to the Northeast. They came last year. I think they went one, one, and one on the trip. They'll come yep. up and play Farmingdale and Quinnipiac. Any any insights going into this weekend? See, seeing the Bulldogs come to town? That's going to be, I, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe this is, it's either the first matchup of Farmingdale and Georgia, if not, like ever, if not, it's the first time in a long time these two teams have ever met. You know, last year they tried to work something out to get Georgia up here to Long Island, didn't work out. Georgia got back-to-back this Friday and Saturday. I'll be on the call for both of them, so I'll plug that. Friday night at 9 and then Saturday at 7 on YouTube. 
YouTube. LI Sports Network uh, is the YouTube channel where you could find. I'll be on the call Farmingdale Friday and Saturday night up against Georgia. It should be a great crowd because Georgia travels well. Georgia, I remember last year, big team big group of guys over there. They, I don't know what they feed them down there. That's always been the common joke. They are a big group over there. And for Farmingdale, very skilled. And this is one of the deepest Farmingdale teams I've seen in a while. Farmingdale's got to worry about, they got to start closing out games. You know, had a close one against Fairfield that they won over the weekend. Uh, I believe they had a big lead against Quinnipiac this past weekend, lost in overtime. And last weekend at home, they had a big lead against Quinnipiac and they won a holding. They won 6-3, but it got a little iffy at the end. So you can't be playing that game too long if you're Farmingdale. You got to start closing out games. Late in the games when it's tight, physicality is going to take over. And I, from what I remember last year, Cole, on that Georgia game against Bonaventure and the Nationals, Georgia's a big team and they're very skilled this year. A couple of new freshmen that are playing very good for the Bulldogs or the Ice Dogs now. Be sure to tune into that one. Like I said, it's one of our games to watch. But Jordan, we appreciate your time tonight coming on, talking AAU, and, and we hope to have you on down the road when we get closer to a national season. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Finally, we were able to reciprocate the podcast. I'll talk to you guys down the line. And everyone listening out there, be on the lookout to the AAU College Hockey Players of the Month of September. Going to be announced very shortly. So again, Murph, thank you. I appreciate the time. All right. Good luck with everything with the hockey house. Once again, thank you to Jordan for joining the show. I'm an ACHA guy. Herm's an ACHA guy. We just have that experience. It's nice to bring him on. We hope to have him on throughout the year to kind of give us those AAU insights. We obviously follow both leagues equally. Good to get that perspective from behind the scenes. We're really looking forward to the AAU National Championships once again at Iceland. So thank you again, Jordan. Make sure you tune in to his broadcast tonight and this weekend, Farmingdale versus Georgia. It's going to be a good one. But now it is time for the hammering a hot seat. Follow up on the people, places, and teams that we threw on the hot seat last week. Little Sisters of the Poor, they did not face Arizona State, but Arizona State did play Merrimack College. They swept the Warriors, so wanted to follow up on that. Cincinnati, they got close, but they didn't get it done. They lost to Michigan 6-5. to five. No TikToks this week, though. That was a good start. I was actually following up with my dad because he listened to the show last week and he was like, how bad are we talking? Like, can I see the TikTok? And I showed it to him and he was horrified, was horrified of the boys doing TikTok dances during practice. So they're heading in the right direction. We're big fans of the Bearcats. We're pulling for them to turn things around, but they were in the, the loss column again last weekend. So we'll keep an eye on them. And then we had no reports of the power going out at Clearwater Ice Center this weekend. So weekend split for Tampa. We had a little AAU D1 versus ACHA M2 Michigan State went down. They got the win on Friday night, and then Tampa got the split on Saturday. This week, on the hot seat, in seat number one, ACHA M1 non-computer rankings. They're going on the hot seat. It feels like Groundhog Day. Every summer, every offseason, we get on here and we talk about how exciting it's going to be when the rankings come out, because we'll have just something to talk about and something to debate. Sure enough, the first rankings of the year come out, and everybody throws a fit because... They pretty much just hit shuffle on the 25 from the preseason, which was pretty much a shuffle from the 25 that we ended the season with. And now everyone is asking, why do we even have these rankings if we're just going to play musical chairs with the teams from the ranking before? It seems like the most people upset were Oklahoma fans because Oklahoma was undefeated and didn't get in the rankings. But I mean, we've talked about Oklahoma a lot, but like they didn't have the toughest schedule and then they split with Colorado. So it's like maybe they're not a top 25 team, but. 
it just it's tough to explain to people when the, that ranking comes out and they're like gcu doesn't have a win why are they in the top 25 we get into debates in the hockey house group chat about why certain teams are in the top 25 and it's basically like we we just don't really have answers at this point right at this point in the year it's kind of the boys club you want to make sure the teams you're playing are ranked really high so that you can stay ranked and it's kind of like the you help me i help you and we're just going to do this song and dance until november 1st when the actual computer rankings come out and there's even more chaos is it time to just pivot into the essay we received from michael signoli I don't want to read the essay we got from Michael. I think we can kind of hammer the spark notes of this one. Michael used to be the photographer at Missouri State. He's now moved to Oklahoma City. He helps out with the Sooners now. Sooners, one of those teams that felt like they got robbed from the rankings this week. And I, I honestly think like Michael's point is like, in all seriousness, why do we have this ranking? Like, why not just not put out a ranking until November 1st when the computer rankings kick in? What is the point of having the same top 25 teams in the coaches poll, which I keep calling it the coaches poll because I think that's what it used to be called. And then I went on the website and it's not even called that. It doesn't, it doesn't have a name. It just says the computer rankings start on November 1st. So here's the really interesting thing. I got an inside look at what actually calculates these coaches poll votes. I spoke with a prominent coach and he gave me a little bit of insight as to where his thinking was on certain teams. Here's my thought. I think this particular coach was incredibly diligent in the goings on of the ACHA. I do not know if everyone else adheres to the same standard of checking all 75 teams and being like, eh, is this the move? Is this not the move? I think some coaches might be copy pasting. That's what I'm worried about. I would like to debate your point, And I talked about this in the group chat. I do think there are people who kind of just copy and paste. And that, that's a shame if they have the power and they're doing that. My argument that I was making in the group chat is teams are voting for the teams on their schedule, right? There's more an incentive, right? If I am playing a team down the road, I would like to see them ranked because that's going to boost my computer ranking and it's going to help me out in the long run. If I beat up on this bad GCU team and they're a top 25 team, it helps me in the long run. So that point was actually brought up about the whole boys club mentality. This coach swears that at least at his program, it's not happening. And that around the ACHA, it is not happening in the capacity that we think it is. And it's not malicious actors. It's just apathy in terms of doing due diligence. And that, that's why we're throwing it on the hot seat. We got to put, that's why we have the hot seat. We're going to give you a chance to correct yourselves. We'll see what happens. We're talking. It's Friday now. The rankings have come out, but the pod comes out on Friday. We talk on Monday. The rankings come out Wednesday. So like, we'll, we'll come back next week. We'll see if they're on the hot seat or not. I think people expect a little bit more from these rankings. Moving on to seat number two, Franklin Pierce men's hockey. They're going on the hot seat. We had an NCAA ACHA exhibition this past weekend. Franklin Pierce made their annual trip to Keene Ice to take on the Keene State Owls. In years past, this game has been very, very close. This was not one of those years. Keene State lost 7-0 to Franklin Pierce. Do you want to know how I know the ACHA is getting better? Because we had about 9 or 10 Franklin Pierce players in our DMs after the game being like, where's the final score? What was the final score? How'd Keene State do tonight? And I'm like, oh my gosh, we are living rent-free. 
in these guys' heads. You are Franklin Pierce. You should beat Keene State. They didn't make the national tournament in ACHA Division II. If you're going to come chirp us for being ACHA, go play Minot State. Have fun. Go have fun. Go play Adrian. I was just smirking ear to ear. I was like, oh my gosh, imagine being an NCAA program and beating Keene State in an exhibition and immediately going to your phone and DMing Hockey House Pod to be like, what's the score of the Keene State game? Throwing Franklin Pierce on the hot seat. If you have a minus five plus minus, I know that because you're an NCAA team and your stats are on the website. If you have a minus five plus minus, you should not be DMing the Hockey House about the score of the Franklin Pierce Keene State game. I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay. On the hot seat, Franklin Pierce. Go sit next to the ACHA M1 rankings. And then I got a fun one for seat number three, traditional colored jerseys. If you follow the NHL, you know there's a big thing like we can't have the cancer jerseys. We can't have pride jerseys, the military jerseys, but we got them in the ACHA. We got them in AAU college hockey. So traditional colored jerseys are on the hot seat this week. Tons of teams rocking pink sweaters during October for breast cancer awareness. Love seeing this. New Mexico was in pink. Sacred Heart was in pink. Both Niagara women's teams wearing pink. Bama in pink. Utah State in pink, Indiana Tech. These are just the teams wearing pink this weekend. Marist was another one. I want to make sure we mention them. And I think all of these teams won. They were all sell leaf pictures with, with great pink jerseys. A bunch of these are getting auctioned off. So traditional colored jerseys are going on the hot seat because we love a good specialty jersey and the specialty jerseys are kicking ass right now. So hot seat this week, ACHA ranking system, Franklin Pierce men's hockey and traditional colored hockey jerseys. Let's get into some stick taps. Herm, I want to get your opinion on this because this video was mind-boggling from a former ACHA guy at Montana State, Orion Herman, also known as Overhead Media. The former Bobcat has been behind the camera for Montana State this season, and he has had some scroll-stopping social media content. I know if you're listening, you're not a big media person. You're like, why are Murph and Herm geeking out over the social media stuff? He had an amazing drone shot you would expect to see on Sunday night football. And this is in Bozeman, Montana for Montana State, Montana, ACHA M2 action. He had the drone up above the scoreboard. Montana State scores. He follows the celebration. We get a full look of the rink. It was unbelievable. Like, I get me out to Montana. I want to go live that. I'll flip that on the other side. Orion, come to Utica, man. Like, we will take that all day and every day. That was so, so, so cool. I saw it because Murph posted it. Sometimes we don't necessarily align on content and I'll see stuff hours after he's posted. And I turned around to my boss. We've been talking about drone footage for the last year. We've only seen it once or twice really done well in hockey. And I was like, Michael, you're going to be really upset about this because we've tried to have it here and we haven't had the chance to have it. And oh my God, did Orion knock it out of the park. It looked like something from a video game. It was so cool. It was it was unbelievable. He's a former player. He played five years for the Bobcats. Now he's I want to make sure we give him a plug here. Yeah, he played for the the Cats for five years. He started his own video production companies doing all this freelance work for the Bobcats. So want to make sure we gave him a shout out. Also want to give stick taps to Northern Arizona's ACHA M3 team. Had one of the boys on the pod a couple weeks ago and they're super stoked for their home opener. They're playing this weekend at home. It's going to be a packed crowd. They found out that one of the team's off-ice officials, he has a three-year-old son named Owen, he was diagnosed with cancer. And so the team has announced that 100% of the ticket and concession sales from opening night against Park Gilbert will be donated to Owen and his family. And this is going to be a packed crowd. And so for this team to come forward and see a family in a time of need and say, you know what? 
It's bigger than hockey. They haven't played in a while. It's going to be their home opener and they're doing it for Owen. So unbelievable. We're going to monitor that situation and see how much they're able to fundraise. Head to the link in their bio, NAU Jacks D3. Unbelievable story though. We're wishing Owen and his family nothing but the best, but I'm sure that's going to bring a smile to that little boy's eye seeing that this team is, you know, taking the the money from their home opener, one of the biggest games of the season, and it's going to go towards his family. So I want to make sure we gave them the proper stick taps. And just like that, it, it's interview time. We got Nick Reininger from Alabama AAU is coming on. We had the Iron Cup a couple weekends ago. He's going to walk us through that, explain what it's like. Alabama, they got three hockey teams on campus. They got ACHA M1, AAU D1, AAU D3. What is that like? Nick's going to tell us all about it. And as always, this one's brought to you by Optum Exports. Optum Exports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is these guys know club hockey. They get where you're coming from. They understand what it takes, the long bus rides, the fundraising, the jersey sales. They understand it and they want to make sure you have the best experience. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. If you're interested in signing up for their product, be sure to use our referral at optimexports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. That's optimexports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. You can now add a team store to your team site, sell tickets, merchandise, and even make payments all through their site. I've been hearing stories of teams taking advantage of this, making payments, getting fundraisers going, selling tickets. It's awesome. So be sure your team is getting in on the action. Head to optimexports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. Without further ado, here's Nick from Alabama AAU. We're pleased to be joined by a member of the AAU Division One team at the University of Alabama, junior defenseman from Crofton, Maryland, number 11, Nick Reiniger. Nick, welcome to the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's funny that we had you on this week. We had this one scheduled out. You guys split with Huntsville this weekend. We posted a clip of you guys and the Huntsville players to just not appreciate the Bama love we were giving you guys. And it was like, of course, we had you scheduled to come on the pod. So we'll just ride the Bama train a little bit longer here. Yeah, so Huntsville weekend, it was crazy because we didn't we actually didn't have half of our team, especially our captain, number 10, Max Savaloya. If I'm making an NHL reference, it's like the Oilers not having McDavid. He scores two, like probably two goals a game. So it didn't help us, but we lost to them in OT Friday night. They actually had a sick crowd there. I was very impressed. And we ended up beating them in OT Saturday night. It was a good battle. They have a couple kids that can play. Believe they have if if not one, a couple uh, NCAA guys who used to play at Huntsville before they, they shut down the team there. Yeah, I know for a fact number 15 definitely played NCAA D1 hockey. You could just tell in his build and his skating ability. He was flying around out there. It was not fun going against him, but he had the OT winner Friday night against us. He could play. He's got the blue pants too, so you know he's yeah. the NCAA guy. I mean, let's dive into it. I mean, we were fresh off the Iron Cup too. That was two weeks ago. Pretty big crowd in Pelham for that one. OT split again. Two weekends in a row, you guys are going to OT. You're on a, a streak right now. How cool was that to play Auburn? Because I know you got to play in that game last year on the ACHA side of things. Like That's got to be a pretty cool environment when you get two SEC schools, rivals like Auburn and Alabama going head-to-head. Yeah, it's so awesome. The Iron Cup, Alabama versus Auburn. Auburn and all the students want to come out just honestly we we draw such a big crowd because of the football program too and the rivalries that they have with each other so yeah it was awesome I'm tired of all the OT games that we're going to it's four straight games now we've gone to overtime it's awesome 
we just need to clean some things up in the D zone because we don't have a problem scoring goals. It's keeping the puck out of our net. I'll take that on the chest because I play defense. We got to be better. There, you guys are like uh, the Buffalo Sabers. They they scored the most goals last year, but they missed the playoffs. So you guys just got to straighten things out, and you'll be good to go. I saw you guys debuted some black alternate jerseys. Did you guys know those were coming in before the game? Uh, no, I had no idea. I, I saw it in my stall, and I was like, oh, the jerseys can't complain. They look pretty sweet. I know we're wearing them in our outdoor game against uh, UGA also. Clean jerseys. It's not really Alabama wearing black jerseys, but it's cool stuff. Can't complain. There we go. Well, let's dive into your, your hockey career growing up a little bit. I introduced you from Maryland. That's got to be a unique hockey experience growing up. Like, where did you play? How would you get into the game? Yeah, so it was just double-A club hockey leading up to high school. How did I get into the game? My older brother was two years older than me. He always played, so I kind of just followed in his footsteps. I went to DeMatha Catholic Prep right outside of D.C., big football and basketball school. Played high school hockey there with him. We won a lot of championships. It was a great program, a lot of fun. My senior year was COVID year, so that kind of ultimately led me not to playing juniors because it was just so wacky we didn't play that many games and whatnot what a crazy time to be going through and I know personally for me I I wasn't really about the junior hockey route and had you always dreamed of playing college hockey or at this point we were like I just kind of want to go to school at this point I just wanted to go to school because COVID was so whack we were supposed to have a 60 game schedule and we ended up only playing eight games I was literally just looking at schools and didn't have hockey in mind at all. And so you mentioned that your older brother actually went to Alabama. Is that how you you started hearing about the program? Yeah, he played his freshman year and then his sophomore year. They didn't even have a season because of COVID. Then I ended up coming in while I was a freshman. He was a junior. and We actually played together on the ACHA team. It was awesome. And you guys got to play with each other in high school too. How cool was that? It was unreal. Yeah, we played together. He was a junior, I was a freshman, and then he was a senior, and I was a sophomore. We won two high school WCAC, Washington Catholic Athletic Conference championships together. It was awesome. You mentioned that your high school was very big into football and basketball. Were fans getting up for the hockey games when you guys were making those runs? Yeah, we would fill the rink would sell out in uh, Laurel, Maryland, 2,000 people at our games. It was awesome. That's unbelievable. So did you do any recruiting to to play at Alabama? Did you let the coach know ahead of time? Like, hey, I'm coming down here. Did it help having your brother involved? Like, did you have to like bring your gear early ahead of time? How did that work getting involved with the ACHA team? Yeah, I shot the coach an email, let him know that I was coming down and whatnot. And we did a couple pre-tryout skates, which was nice, but I, I didn't know what to expect. That was actually the beautiful thing about my freshman year. I didn't even know if I was going to make the team. I had no expectations on me. And next thing you know, I'm in the starting lineup as a freshman, as a true 18-year-old freshman every single game. And what's that like? Like, There's got to be a welcome to the ACHA moment when you're an 18-year-old freshman, you're going up against some big boys. Like, Who are are some of those early teams that you played against that gave you a welcome to the ACHA moment? Uh, Our first weekend, we went to uh, Maryville, and they were a top 10 team, filled out that rink. I remember just getting ripped 24-7. And then week two, this was kind of my coming out weekend, because week one, I was shaking in my boots playing these 24-year-old Canadian kids. And we played Central Oklahoma on the road in Oklahoma again. They crushed us night one. And we took them to a shootout night two. It was like five to five, and we were just battling. But I remember just being, playing super solid that game. And it was a battle. It was like five to five. And we ended up taking them to a shootout. I think we lost. But that was huge for our season because it just set us in the. We were trending upright. It was the right direction for us. 
I think we ended up going on a little win streak after that. How crazy is that barn at UCO though? The the Bronco barn is just rock. They got the train horn in there too. It sounds, you know, you can't even hear yourself think. They're starting lineups. I, I don't know if you guys have seen clips. It's nuts. I remember walking under the tunnel after warmups and they're pouring beer on us. And we're like, all right. This is how they were coming. It was nuts. You got to love that though, right? Like the, yeah. the fact that you're playing college hockey in a place where like people are dumping beers on you. Yeah, you love the energy. It fires you up so much. We, we loved it. Speaking of starting lineups and getting heckled by fans, like what was that like when you guys went and played Kentucky? Because that was like a, an ACHA M2 versus M1. You got an SEC battle. I'm sure those fans were fired up to see Alabama come to town. Yeah, Midnight Madness at Kentucky. It's the craziest atmosphere I've ever played in. They have their home games at midnight on Friday. I, we were warming up outside before the game, and there's our, there's a line wrapped around the rink, students trying to get in. So they sell it out every night, and we're doing starting lineups. I'm the first person they announce, and they go, Nick Reiniger starting on defense, number 12 from Crofton, Maryland, and every single person in the crowd screams out, socks in unison and i was just like oh, damn i didn't know that was coming but it was awesome you love that energy that's great being a freshman and you're the first kid called so you have no idea yeah. what's coming when they say your name what are what are some other takeaways from your freshman year in the acha because that was kind of a wild year a lot of teams like alabama hadn't played the previous year so the skill level i feel like ranged throughout the years like what was what were some of those the best trips too? Because you know you've seen it from the AAU side now, but playing in the ACHA, playing at Alabama, there's a lot of travel. A lot of travel. We we would have ten hour bus rides, fourteen hour bus rides. We were going everywhere. I played fourteen games my freshman year, and then about halfway through the season, we were we went to Pittsburgh to play RMU, and they have, they have a great program. You know about RMU and. Roman Kramer, who played NCAA D1 hockey, he lights it up. He used to light it up. I know he's playing pro hockey there somewhere. But we were in a nail-biter of a game with him. It was like 2-2, two to two, and I just jumped up in the play, and I was in low. I dished off a pass, and the kid just comes in and cranks me. Like, my feet went over my head. I was concussed, and I, didn't, I actually ended up not playing for two months. My season ended. It sucked. Uh, but. Yeah, that is... That is the worst. The don't wish those in- injuries upon any anyone. Yeah. What was that off season like? Did you did you hang up the skates for a little bit? Because you know at that point you're done for the year. Like were you chomping at the bit to get back to it, or were you like you know what I'm I'm in college. This is SEC yeah. country. Like I'm sure there were plenty of other things to keep you busy. Yeah, at first I was I was done. I wanted nothing to do with hockey. I hated it, and then you start missing it, of course. But yeah, that spring semester was just school and. A little bit of partying going on. That summer, I wanted to get back into it. I was skating with my little brother and my older brother three times a week, and we were ready to go. Being in Alabama and the atmosphere there, we got to talk about the drive to the rink. Like I know there's talk about you know trying to get a rink built on campus, at least in uh, a little bit closer to Tuscaloosa. So you guys aren't hauling it out to Pelham. Like walk us through like what it's like to drive 45 minutes to the rink. And you guys have a great setup in Pelham, but it's got to be some late nights. Yeah, it's not ideal at all, especially you're in class all day long. And then we have practice at 915 at night and we have to drive 45 minutes to the rink. You're getting back at like midnight every night. It's not ideal, but there's a great campaign going. UA Build a Rink, three of our interns launched it. I want to shout them out here. Savannah Prefontaine, Nat Pizza and Maddie Racky. They're doing a fantastic job. We are grateful for everything they're doing in this whole Build a Rink process. 
we've been joking that we hope that process gets delayed as much as possible because it's game over for everyone else if Bama gets a rink on campus. Oh my God, it would be crazy. It's not going to happen while I'm here, but I would love that more than anything for this program to get a rink on campus. It's just going to go through the roof. Let's talk about your sophomore year. You're back on the ice with the ACHA team. Things don't get off to a great start. And then we see you transition to, at the time, the CHF team. Like, walk us through kind of what happened there. Cause I know we talked about before the show, it was not an ideal situation that you went through, but you've kind of come out on top. Yeah, I was battling a little bit of an injury to start off the season. And about four games in, we were playing UCO at home. We played them Friday night. They beat us, I think, four to two. It was a nail biter of a game, but we stuck in there and we were playing them. Saturday, 2 p.m. the next day. Friday night at my fraternity back on campus was having a band party. CeeLo Green was coming to perform. I know CeeLo Green's won Grammys. Big name. It was a huge hype party. I wasn't not going to go, even though we had a game the next day. So we go, had a couple beverages, kept it tight, though, knowing we had a game the next day. I put a picture of me and CeeLo Green on my story, thinking it was going to be harmless. It ended up not being harmless. So I go to the rink the next day for our 2.30 game. I get there at about noon. I'm fine. I've had a couple liquid IVs. I feel great. I'm in the starting lineup, and I'm getting changed into my warm-up gear. Coach walks out of his office, and he goes, Nick, come here. And he calls me into his office. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I knew it couldn't have been You knew good. it. You knew exactly. You yeah, knew exactly, exactly what it was. I walk into his office, and he's not happy at all, and he just – straight up looks at me and says, did you go out last night? I'm not going to lie to him. So I I say, yeah, he was not the happiest at the time and started flipping stuff a little bit and told me to just get out. I left the rink and went back to Tuscaloosa. It was a game day on Saturday and I think we were playing Arkansas or something. I think he kind of just wanted me to get out of the locker room, not just leave the rink and piss off. I had a meeting with him next Tuesday before our practice. He pretty much was still super pissed off at me. He told me I wasn't going to be playing a game for the rest of the semester, and I didn't take that well at all. Basically sent me to the practice squad. I was like, I'm not doing all that. I want my brothers a senior. I want to finish it out with all the seniors. I thought we had a good group. I wasn't happy. I packed up my gear, packed up my stall, and said goodbye to all the boys and walked out of the room. Uh, what's that like? You know, I, I can only imagine going through that, but what what's that like kind of making that decision with your brother in the room as well? Like, were you talking to him about it at all? I was tearing up. It was super emotional. All the boys were coming up to me, hugging me. They, they kind of knew the situation, what went down. I was very rattled, obviously. I was done. I was completely done playing hockey. That's a tough, I mean, what, you're, you're 19 years old at the time? Like, that's kind of a big life decision that got, kind of gets made very quickly for you. Like, how how do you get involved with the CHF team at that? Did you have buddies on the team that were playing? Like, who was the first guy you called? How, yeah, I did have buddies on the team. But towards the end of October, when all this went down my sophomore year, and I don't play hockey for two weeks, I completely just take a break from the game and just clear my head mentally, feeling good. And I was like, wow, you missed it. You don't realize how much you miss the game until you're not playing. I've played for the last 10 years of my life. And I start getting phone calls from the boys. They want me to come out and play and whatnot. And then Coach Drev, who's the coach of the CHF team at the time, and he's now the coach of the AAU D1 team, calls me. And it's just like, we got room for you if you want to come play out. Like, no rush or anything, but we'd love to have you. We know you'd be a nice addition to the team. So I take a little bit more time, and then that Friday night they're playing Auburn at home, the CHF team is. 
And he calls me and is like, I can make a couple phone calls to the commissioner, get you registered and whatnot, and you can be ready to go to play tonight. So they got me signed up and ready to go in about four hours. And I was playing with the CHF team that, just like that. That's unbelievable. Greek life is a huge thing at Alabama. Are most of the guys playing hockey down there a part of Greek life? Like, How does that balance work? Because I think it's unique to, to each school. A lot of bigger fraternities don't let us play hockey. Uh, I had the exception too because I knew the president at the time while I was pledging, so it was super nice. There's about five players on both teams that are in fraternities and do hockey at the same time. It's not easy at all. You're missing a lot of parties or you're missing – some kids miss practice in games, but hockey – the coaches know that hockey has pin over Greek life, so – you got to go to games over parties. Usually it's the other way around is teams don't let you join the Greek life. It's, it's it's amazing to hear that the Greek life is so big that they don't want you doing other things outside of it. It's that big. It's basically like a full-time job, especially if you're on an executive council position within the fraternity. I, I haven't seen the Bama Rush documentary, but have you watched it and it, did it live up to the hype? Was it everything you thought it would be? No, I refuse to watch it. I will not watch it. All those sorority girls here say they hate it, so I won't watch it at all. You'll take their word for it? I'll listen to what they're saying. Tell me about the transition. Uh, We're just going to call it AAU the rest of the way, right? CHF announced in January that they were going to be AAU. You get to nationals. it's Everything's AAU. It's AAU Division I college hockey now. You're on the team now. I mean, it's college hockey, but it's pretty different, right? You're playing a lot of different teams. You're more so staying in the South. Like, What were some differences? early on that you either had to get adjusted to or you picked up on right away well early on my sophomore year when I made the transition to the other team I didn't want to mess up the room and like push kids out of the lineups and have kids scratch so that was a part of the reason why I didn't want to flow in but it ended up just working out with some injuries and some kids getting sick and stuff the biggest transition between ACHA and AAU it was way less traveling so AAU was mostly SEC schools we're playing Georgia South Carolina, Middle Tennessee, Tennessee, all those schools. And Tampa's the furthest place we travel. And who wouldn't want to go to Tampa? I was sitting on the beach before we played them. Yeah, that's the difference with the Acha team. You're, it's 10-hour bus rides, 14-hour bus rides. Because we're in Alabama, and most of the ACHA schools are in the north. I know you know that. The ACHA team just traveled to Westchester, which is, it's funny enough, where AAU Nationals will be. That's got to be a lot to you know go to a big-time SEC school and a big football weekend, and you're in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's a huge commitment. You're missing out on a bunch of things. You're missing football games. You're missing a whole lot that's going on here. It's not easy to sit on a bus for 10 hours and then go and play a game. Bus legs are do exist. It's not easy. You leave after practice on a Thursday night and drive through the night. You're going to be tired. It's how it is. It is what it is. It's just a little bit of adversity and you got to find a way to work through it. We got to talk about one of my favorite college hockey South traditions. We have it this weekend. You guys are playing Tennessee at home on Friday. Football is playing Tennessee at home on Saturday, and then you guys will play Tennessee again on Sunday. Where else is that going to happen, right? Like it, it, that's that's AAU college hockey summed up, right? Like you get the experience of being a player, but you also get that college experience all in one weekend. Yeah, it's it's electric. It's unreal. I can't even describe how excited I am for it to be able to play them on Friday night, and then we're all going to go to the football game Saturday afternoon. I know all those Tennessee kids are going to stay in town too. So it's super exciting. It's kind of a revenge, not for hockey, but football. It's a huge revenge game because they beat us last year in football for the first time in 14 or so years. But I'm looking forward to the game Friday. I'm not looking forward to the game Sunday afternoon after a long football game day, but we'll be ready to go. I'm super excited. I have a couple of buddies on that team. 
Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. How big is Alabama football? Because growing up in Maryland, like, were you a big college football fan, or does that just kind of come with the territory when you move down to Tuscaloosa? I wasn't a huge college football fan by any means, but yeah, when I moved to Tuscaloosa, when my brothers went to Alabama, then I started tuning in on college football a little bit more. And that year, my senior year of high school was the 2020 team with Mac Jones and Najee Harris that didn't lose a single game. So it was it was awesome. That's unbelievable. Walk us through last year. You know, we, we talk about the adjustments. You, you kind of joined the team second half of the year. What were some places that you got to travel and play that you had a good experience at? I would say the Nashville trips. We went to Nashville twice to play Middle Tennessee once in Vanderbilt another time. That It's a three-hour drive here. It's, it's just awesome. Being able to play other SEC schools, was it was a no-brainer for me. That's why I ended up playing on this team again this my junior year instead of the ACHA team. Yeah, it seems that, that Alabama, now the D1 team at the AAU level, has made, been making a lot of strides. You guys made some noise at Nationals last year. Walk us through that because first round, arguably one of the best games of the tournament, you guys go to an overtime tie with South Carolina. That was a back and forth game. You guys played Liberty, correct? And you, you kind of, it seemed like nobody was going to win a game in this pool. And then you guys beat Liberty. You show up the next morning and you're supposed to play Fordham and, and they're not there. Like what's going through the locker room at that point? Because we showed up to the rink and we're like, how come? Like, I think you guys ended up practicing, but like, what what was that like in the locker room when they're like, Fordham's not here? Like, what are we going to do? Oh, we weren't happy at all. They just forfeited the game that we, we showed up to the rink at 9 a.m. all ready to go and they just completely forfeited. We needed points wise to move on. We needed to beat them by like three goals. They ended up giving us a one to zero win because of the forfeit. Our fate wasn't in our own hands at that point, and we were not happy about it whatsoever. What is what does the rest of the day look like after that? Because one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my hockey career is we've got an Alabama student section rooting <laughs> for Liberty against South Carolina. Like, did you guys know everything down to a T before that game when you got to the rink, what you guys needed to move on? Yeah, we knew exactly how many goals. We needed Liberty to score a certain amount of goals on South Carolina. We had we Our game got canceled that day, so we packed up the boss and all of us went to the game, and we were hyping Liberty up the whole time. And when they scored that second goal, I don't know if there's a clip of it, but we were going nuts. Because Liberty, we beat Liberty the two nights before, and we just needed them to push us through, and we advanced because of Liberty. That was awesome. The video itself ended up going viral. We captioned it uh, when the over hits because you guys were going nuts behind the net. And I mean, it's exactly what you needed. You you had Liberty one and a half goals and, and they scored the second and you guys go nuts. Just like one of the most insane things in hockey because, you know, two teams that you guys had played against, you're not rooting for one and, and you just look at the South Carolina guys and you got to feel for them. Like it was a tough situation for everybody involved. I think AAU did the best that they could. I'm sure that you guys have seen the new rules for nationals this year, though. There's going to be no ties. We're going to do continuous overtime. Like, is that cool knowing that the league saw what happened at last year's nationals and they don't want to see that happen again? Yeah, we love that adjustment. None of us want ties or any of that. So I'm super glad the league's making that move. We're very grateful for it. The offseason comes around and we get the launch of AAU Division One, And I, I'm sure not many guys have been in your shoes where they've seen ACHA D1 and now AAU Division One. Was there a lot of buzz on the, on the team this year where guys are a little more excited to come back knowing that, hey, AAU is legit now. There's a Division One, and we're going to play some big time opponents. Yeah, 100%. People were way more hyped to have that AAU D1 label and 
the level of competition was definitely better. Looking at the difference between ACHA and AAU, ACHA's top 30 teams are still way better than AAU's top teams, but it's the middle of the pack ACHA teams that really compete with AAU. AAU could do anything against those guys. Yeah, I I almost put those top 30 ACHA teams with the NCAA Division Three category. Like those are the teams that they're almost funded by their athletic departments and and they're they're the real deal. So I I, I agree with that comparison there. Walk us through the start of the year because you guys played a, a Tampa team, right? That like seemed invincible last year until they lost at nationals. You guys were able to squeak out a win in a three-game series. Are they the best team that you guys have played so far? Yeah, 100%. They're the best team we're going to play all year. I can guarantee that. If you look at that Tampa team on paper versus us on paper and where all their kids used to play at juniors-wise versus us, we don't hold a candle to them. But we went in on the road and managed to beat Tampa. And I think that was the first game they've lost at home in three years. So not too shabby for us. That, that's unbelievable. Let's see. We got to cover a, a couple other things here. I'll, I'll ask you this because we're on the conversation. If you're commissioner of the AAU for a day, is there anything that you would do? Anything you would upgrade to uh, you know, improve the game of club hockey? I love everything they're doing, specifically with like the certain tournaments that they have going on throughout the year. I know we're playing in a Veterans Cup in November, so we're super excited for that. And they're having outdoor games now too, which is just only going to grow the league. We're playing Georgia outdoor which is going to be super exciting. I feel like there's a lot of games you can circle on the calendar when you play these rivalry matchups, the Auburns, the Georgias, the South Carolinas. You got Tennessee coming to town this week. It's got to make for some really exciting hockey. What is what is the goal of this team? I think it's early in the season. You guys are a little bit above 500 right now. Like, Do you guys see yourselves at the top of the table at the end of the season? Yeah, I definitely do. We have a lot to clean up, specifically defensively. We have no problem scoring goals, but got to clean up a lot in the D zone. Beating a team like Tampa on the road, just confidence-wise, was so huge for us because that tells us we can go in and beat anybody when we have all of our guys humming. Taking a look at the schedule the rest of the way, are there any games that you guys are, are looking forward to? You mentioned that veterans tournament that you guys are playing in. Tampa's going to do the Battle of the Beach. This is all coming from the success of like the Savannah Classic. You mentioned AAU doing a little bit more of those tournaments. Other than the Veterans Classic, is there anything? You mentioned the outdoor game in Georgia. Anything else you guys have circled? We're going to South Carolina second semester during the year and definitely have that one circled on the year. Huge rivalry game. They don't like us. We don't like them. So that'd be an exciting game. I'm sure they haven't forgotten the celebration you guys had at, at Ice Line when at Liberty scored that second goal. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Yeah, and they have a huge fan base. I know that over there. They have like 15,000 followers on Instagram or something. And they have the cleanest jerseys that say Cox on them. Everybody loves South Carolina so much. And everybody hates us. We're Bama. Shout out us. We love it. There we go. That's perfect. Well, hey, as we start to wrap things up, what is your recruiting pitch to a a young kid who is maybe an 18-year-old in Maryland and he's been playing hockey his whole life? Like, why play college hockey in the South? What, What makes it so special? I would say it's the balance of everything, being able to still be a student and being able to still play the sport that you love and you can still go to SEC football games, biggest football, biggest college football conference in the world. It's just being able to experience all different aspects of college and still being able to be an athlete. Awesome. Well, hey, Nick, good luck this weekend. Thanks again for joining us. Appreciate hearing your story and and kind of your journey at Alabama as a hockey player. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
Once again, thanks to Nick for joining the show. Awesome to get insights about Alabama's hockey program and the rise. Slow-burning hockey factory they have going in Pelham. They're working hard to get a rink built, too. It's game over if Alabama gets a rink, right? Like, the rest of us are just going to hang them up, and, and we'll just keep posting Alabama clips every day if that happens, right? And, and and people will never get sick of it. So thanks again to Nick. Let's go over to the burgers. We're going to realign the burgers. We were, there was too many burgers. We were just handing them out. Whoppers, Big Macs, Wendy's, McDoubles, you know, we just handed too many burgers out and, and it was getting a little out of control. So we've trimmed the burger section. So we have the burgers of the week. It's going to go to the biggest blowouts from the ACHA and AU college hockey. These can be from any division instead of one for every division and just rattling off teams that didn't play well. We're going to trim it down to three. So starting in the three hole, we have Jamestown. They defeated Northern Illinois in ACHA M1 action 13 to nothing. And it's sticking with ACHA M1 action in North Dakota. Minot State, again, 13-0 against Waldorf to close out the weekend series. But we're traveling to ACHA M3 for the biggest burger of the week, Sacred Heart 19, NJIT1. That is a burger if I've ever seen it. Hopefully we don't get any burgers in these games because we got some exciting ACHA versus NCAA action this week. We'll start with the biggest and best game that we're looking forward to. NCAA Ferris State Division 1. A team that was in the Frozen 4 when I was growing up watching Johnny Gaudreau highlights from Boston College. They are facing off against their in-state rival number 11 ACHA M1 Grand Valley State University. This is the anchor bone rivalry trophy. These two teams do not like each other. Division two NCAA sports. We all know there's no division two hockey. So Ferris State is division one in hockey. Grand Valley State is division one. Also, right, right. Division one ACHA. They will be playing at Ferris State. It's going to be so cool. Gage talked to us last week. They got a fan bus going from Grand Valley State for this one. Hoping for a good game. Lots of guys from Michigan playing in this one. You know, all their families are going to be there. So we're really looking forward to this one. Friday night, Hated Michigan rivals going toe-to-toe. Thursday night, a little uh, appetizer for the weekend. We got NCAA Buffalo State College hosting number three, Ohio. Ohio coming off a split with Maryville last weekend, looking to bounce back before they take on Niagara this weekend. Must watch college hockey at Dwyer. They'll get their licks in against Buffalo State on Thursday night. Looking forward to that one. Niagara actually played against Buffalo State last year, and that was a close game, so we'll see how Ohio does. Friday night, Jamestown, they're number seven in the country right now, taking on NCAA Concordia College. Jamestown is hosting this exhibition. They're looking to get a W over an NCAA opponent. Friday night, in women's action, Concordia College Moorhead is taking on the Jamestown Jimmies Women's Division One ACHA team a big game on the women's side. And then Saturday, we had a rematch of two teams from last year who played against each other. Manhattanville College, NCAA Division Three, taking on number 19, Stony Brook. This time, it's going to be at the Playland Ice Casino, home of Manhattanville. So should be an exciting one. And I know Manhattanville did not like losing in the shootout last year. And I know that was a clip that did pretty well on the Hockey House Pod Instagram page. So I'm sure we will be getting some DMs from the Manhattanville boys if all goes well for them. Wishing the boys at Stony Brook the best of luck. Now it's time to move on to our games to watch this weekend. We're starting things off in Huntsville. We talked about this Alabama Huntsville team on the rise. They're facing off in AAU Division II action against Clemson. Friday night, we have Niagara women taking on Indiana Tech. Another good game at Dwyer this weekend. An M3 action on Friday night. Air Force is taking on University of New Mexico. Two teams that go toe-to-toe out west in M3. Friday night, Lindenwood takes on Weber State in ACHA M2 action. This one coming from Centene. And then a 
rematch from regionals last year on Friday in M2. Iowa taking on DePaul. More Niagara action coming from Dwyer this weekend. Moving along, uh, M2, Keene State, can they bounce back against UMass? UMass is also looking to bounce back here and right the ship after a loss to Vermont. This one is coming from Keene Ice. And then Friday night, we have Syracuse taking on Pitt. That's where Herm and I will be. Heading back to Dwyer Arena on Friday night for another big matchup. Undefeated clash here. Niagara taking on St. Bonaventure in AAU D1 action. It's a shame Herm and I are going to be right down the road when all the action is at Dwyer. Going to be a great place for some hockey games this weekend. Friday night in ACHA M2 action. Some redemption here. Keene State taking on UMass. Keen State, you know, they're trying to bounce back after that loss from Franklin Pierce. UMass trying to bounce back after a loss to UVM. This is going to be a good one between two Titans in the Northeast. Friday night, Herm and I, we're going to be there. We're going to be there all weekend long. Alumni weekend at Syracuse. Syracuse taking on number 14, Pitt. ACC Big East matchup. A young Q's team taking on a Pitt team that has been very successful the last couple of years, who's looking to right the ship after a sweep by Davenport last weekend. Some exciting ESCHL hockey. Friday night, we've already talked about this one a couple times now, but Farmingdale taking on Georgia at Northwell Health Ice Center. We got College Hockey South versus Empire. How are the dogs going to do on their annual trip up north bama taking on tennessee in an aau d1 d2 matchup on friday night and then we'll wrap things up with the u.s naval academy the ladies from navy hosting air force at mcmullen hockey arena in an armed forces matchup and that brings us to the game of the week we're heading down to texas because it doesn't get bigger than that this is actually funny because when we were at Kentucky, a scratch came up to me and he was trying to get the story. He's like, so wait, you guys are like, like you, got, you guys are just going around the country? Like, why did you come here? And we're like, oh, like we're looking for like the best environments. He's like, dude, I heard at College Station, like they go nuts when Texas comes to town. So we have Texas A&M versus Texas, ACHA M2 action, the Lone Star Showdown. College Station is going to be rocking Friday night. I believe as we speak on Monday night, this game is sold out. I saw Texas. Texas is close to selling out. I think they got some student tickets still left over. I honestly, and we didn't take a breather before recording the second half of the show. So I didn't really have time to do my research on this one. Texas is going to rock those cream jerseys. That's something we got to think about. The Those look really good. Do you, do you have your pick? Or are you, you waiting to see what, what, what card I draw? I'm waiting to see what you draw. I'm thinking, you know, we've seen some highlights this year. It, Texas ACHA has, has legitimately seemed like the Wild West so far this year. A&M, you know, they just love playing at home, whether it's whether it's hockey, whether it's football, that place is going to be rocking. They got a lot of weird traditions there at College Station. I also watched the Johnny Manziel documentary recently, so I'm going A&M. That's that's what's that's what I'm leaning into with this one. Not sure how they'll they'll do on the weekend, but Friday night I'm picking A&M. I'm going with the team that had a little bit of a rough start to the season, swept by SMU, split with ETPU, split with UNT, but then put their foot down against Texas State. Horns up. I'm going UT. Wow. All right. I'm so looking forward to Alumni Weekend in Syracuse, but if that was not going on, this would be the game to be at. So that's why it's game of the week. That's why we're locking in. I've I've been on a skid, though. I had Kentucky, and they lost. I had the Beavers, and they lost. Time to write the ship here. I'm going A&M. Bringing us to the question of the week as we start to wrap up the show here. Herm, we saw Toby Keith attending Oklahoma, Colorado this past week. What is a celebrity that you would like to see at an ACHA AAU college hockey game? I'll keep in the theme of the episode. Let's, let's get Nick Saban out to an Alabama game. 
Wow. So I thought you, I thought maybe you picked Texas. Like, are we going to see Matthew McConaughey against the glass this weekend? Like that might get the boys going. My pick, you know, originally was like Cuse. Like, you know, who's the biggest Cuse celebrity? Like, can we get Carmelo Anthony at at Tennedy this weekend? Maybe I have fixed the Bearcats issue. Let's get Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift at a Cincinnati hockey game. That'll get the boys going takes the pressure off them everyone's gonna be paying attention to them in the crowd and and they'll get going again so the kelsey brothers they went to cincinnati at some point he's gonna have to go back there and and show taylor around and i think what better way to show her cincinnati than take her to a cincinnati bearcats hockey game so that would be my celebrity pick if if you had to ask me but you know zamboni doors are opening up it's time to pick up the pucks herm what, what, what are our thoughts heading into the weekend anything on your mind if I got nothing, um, <laughs> I legitimately I got nothing. Alumni, we we're going back to Q's. We got the the. Did we buy? Did we get this Airbnb yet? I don't know. Yeah, we haven't we haven't even talked about. It. I have a sticky note of like things to talk to Herm about when I call him later, and literally on the sticky note is like tell Herm about Airbnb. Oh no. I'm I'm just pumped to get back to to Syracuse for Alumni Weekend. It's it's so great that I was talking with Anthony Salt about it. Salty was kind of reminiscing on the really really strong core group that you guys had last year and how much he missed you guys. And I got to spend a, a decent amount of time with you guys, and it's so great to to hopefully see as many of you guys back in the same place. I know it's it's not the same for for me as it was for one of the boys who was really really in the locker room, but it's it's so nice. I enjoy those moments a lot. Yeah. And since I've been at Syracuse, like this was always been my favorite weekend. I think my freshman year was like the second or third year that they did like alumni hall of fame weekend, or it was alum alumni weekend had always been a thing, but they incorporated the Syracuse hockey hall of fame banquet into it as well. And so a lot of alums came back for that. And then ever since then, it's like kind of gotten bigger and bigger every year. Sophomore year was on zoom junior year. We couldn't have that many people at the banquet because of, you know, taking precautions and but last year was amazing and again i loved it as a player getting to have the alumni come back and tell the stories and maybe buy a couple sodas on a saturday night for the boys i can't wait to go back and 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 take in some hockey i've already booked a haircut for friday because i i love the hairdresser i go to in syracuse so it'll be good to be back it'll be nice to drive to syracuse in a car that won't break down on the way so looking forward to doing that as well and and catching up with everybody and it's gonna be a really good time and you know I'm sure there's going to be plenty of ACHA action to keep us busy when we're not at the rink too. So really looking forward to that. Yeah, no, love it. Thank you again. Thanks again for everyone who's listening. We, I I feel like I say this like every once in a while, but like we have some really exciting plans. Herm and I talked before the show plans that are like months and months away. Really excited about we're working on finalizing the plans for our next tour stop. So that's in the works too. We'll kind of tease you with that a little bit there, but as always, thank you so much. Follow us on social media at hockey house pod, Instagram, Twitter. I think we're on LinkedIn. If you want to find us there too, the Facebook is like kind of there. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Yeah.